Welcome to the HBOT News Network and conversation with Dr. Paul Harch. We're blessed to have Dr. Harch here for yet another segment. And in this segment, we're going to focus on traumatic brain injury. And uh, I know that that is a topic that is near and dear to Dr. Harch's heart. And, uh, and so one of the things the HBOT News Network did in its original kickoff was focus on traumatic brain injuries and, and some of the resulting PTSD that our veterans um, are, are faced with and some of the treatments going on with them. So, so uh, Dr. Harch, it's a pleasure having you here for this segment. Well, as I say, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm honored. Well, that's great. It's a great opportunity. And, and, and so, um, as in some of the other segments, I'd like to start with a brief story and, uh, and highlight some of, I think, what, what you've dealt with. In fact, um, I'm fairly certain of that after reading your book. And, uh, and the Oxygen Revolution covers traumatic brain injury in quite detail and some really interesting conclusions that you've drawn. And, and uh, it was a situation where we had um, Simon LeMay, who was, who was featured in, in one of the uh, HBOT um, News Network's original um, presentations on traumatic brain injury and what he dealt with as a sergeant major in the Marine Corps and, and all of the IED um, explosions that he had faced and, and some of the real trauma um, as a warfighter. As I say, um, uh, Sergeant Major LeMay is the real deal because he was deployed many times. Mm. And so Sergeant Major LeMay and a retired Navy, Navy uh, Captain um, Jim Hooker and, and you know, you know, yes. Captain Hooker. Um, wow. We, the three of us went over to the, the Durham VA, um, right next to the Duke Hospital, um, not too far from, from our studio. And we had a meeting with uh, three heads of the psychiatry group. And I say they were chiefs. And so in that, in the VA realm, a chief is, is generally, a, as I understand it, it's sort of the management position that reports to Washington. Okay, so they're, mm -hmm. they're setting policy and, and, and protocols for that location. And, and in that conversation, I went there with, with basically two questions. And, 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 and I think the first question tells us a lot, is that I, I asked the chief, the chief of the three chiefs, um, did traumatic brain injury involve any sort of inflammation? And, and he looked at me and he, 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 he looked very, very concerned. And, uh, and he, he, he completely deflected the questions. I came back and I said, does traumatic brain injury, you know, involve any inflammation? And he said, he said, okay. He said, next thing you're gonna tell me is that hyperbaric oxygen is good for every indication. He said, that's when I glaze over and I'm not interested in talking about it. That's exactly what he said to me. That was his answer. I just wanted to know, did it cause any inflammation? Because if we have a powerful anti-inflammatory, why aren't we applying it to someone with a traumatic brain injury? And he completely avoided it. He did not want to talk about it. And that was the mission of that meeting where we were in there for an hour and a half talking with these three chiefs. So that was, that was my story. That's my, you know, to me, that's the frustration with the VA. The VA has no hyperbaric chambers. They don't do it for wound, you know, for wound healing. They don't use it for any of the cleared indications. And so, and I know you have a lot of experience with the VA, and I think everyone would really love to hear, you know, from you. Well, uh, I, I, it's hard to be positive uh, about the VA and their approach to hyperbaric oxygen. As you summarized it, uh, they're completely oblivious to the evidence. Um, and, uh, you know, the, their whole mission to, to give the best possible care to veterans and who, who have 
you know, lay their lives on the line in service of our country and injured themselves. They serve, they deserve. They deserve the best and they're not getting it. Um, and they won't listen to the evidence and they won't look at it. So I, you know, and that's a tough problem because how do you compel them uh, to open up their eyes? I mean, he can't even answer a simple question. Uh, it is obvious. Uh, and there have been multiple experiments on this, Schotel, Zhang, uh, others who have shown that after traumatic brain injury, it's a physical injury, like we talked about earlier, it is a wounding. With any wound, plug the DVD in. The second there's tissue damage, the inflammatory reaction begins. There is inflammation. Hyperbaric oxygen inhibits inflammation. Unquestionably, tons of evidence on that. So it's a natural marriage, if you will. Also, there's a curiosity in that if you look at hyperbaric oxygen effectiveness for neurological applications, it's most effective in white matter diseases. Brain decompression illness is primarily a white matter injury. Mm. Traumatic brain injury is primarily a white matter injury. If you look at the evidence in multiple sclerosis, uh, it is a white matter injury. Uh, carbon monoxide, while it injures both cells, it causes a digestion of the white matter tracts. Hyperbaric oxygen is useful in carbon monoxide poisoning. Of course, one of the approved indications. Yes, yeah, exactly. By the, by the FDA. And you start seeing the similarities now, again, hyperbaric oxygen treating the underlying disease processes. You know, I, I don't know how you get leverage on people like that in, in decision-making positions who are controlling the, the health and lives of so many people. You have to go above them somehow and leverage them. And I don't know whether this is with Congress or legislative bodies or what, uh, because the doctors, you know, there's an old saying, uh, Max Planck, the famous German nuclear physicist, when he and Einstein were working out all of the uh, nuclear physics and all, Planck's constant H, uh, Planck was so dismayed and depressed that, that the scientific community wouldn't accept their, their scientific proofs, their mathematical proofs. He made the statement, science advances funeral by funeral. We have to wait for all the old guys to die off because you can't change their opinion. Well, you and I and anybody else who gets injured can't wait for all the old guys to die off. We need this now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what the systematic review I am hoping is going to help because if you can get all of the naysayers and the opinion makers in the same room and put the evidence in front of them in an open forum where there's nowhere to hide and ask them to deny the evidence, it, I, I think it's going to be able to hold people accountable and change things at last. But it's going to need some leverage from above. Well, you know, in the state of North Carolina, the legisla legislation, first they approved that hyperbaric oxygen should be allowed for veterans with PTSD. And a lot of that you know, stems from this, this, this number of suicides per day that we see you know, um, happening with veterans. And it's happening with the general public as well. And, and, and so that was the first step. Second step was they allocated um, some money, 150,000, to treat veterans and, and, uh, for PTSD so that it's allowing them to get 40 or more treatments um, and through nonprofits. Um, that's been increased. And so, and then the second year they did another hundred. They haven't seen the results of the first, but, but we know what you're saying is true, is that clearly the group that's being treated is seeing tremendous benefits. Oh yeah. Videos are being done, stories are gonna be told, 
And so we need to run at this. We can't walk at this. And so the veterans are one issue. And a lot of, a lot of times people are looking towards how we're treating the veterans and what's going on there and wondering, like, how does that apply to me or how does it apply to my child? And so one of the things that, that I became aware of is that just in the Research Triangle Park area where, we're, where we are here, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, is that there are some 5,000 concussions that occur with adolescents, so 18 and younger, and, and generally from sports, some from you know, car accidents and other types of accidents, um, but they're not getting hyperbaric oxygen. And so, yeah. so maybe you could share with us you know, what, what is really needed or what would they need if they had a severe concussion? How many treatments? What, what, what should parents be doing? Well, we found this out many years ago when we had some patients with acute concussion referred in those early years when, in the 90s when we were beginning to investigate this. And we put them in the chamber and it was just a couple treatments. If so, uh, you know, again, hyperbaric oxygen, a treatment for generally wounding conditions of many different types, but uh, the numbers of treatments is somewhat proportional to the time you can get to it. So if you can get to things like decompression sickness, first treatment curative if you deliver it in the first one to two hours after the injury. And this is the same with carbon monoxide poisoning and uh, other forms of very acute injury. If you can get to it in about the first three hours, it's almost miraculous the effects that even one treatment can have. However, as you go farther out, the inflammatory process matures the wound. It changes. And this has been shown with gene expression, the cells that are in the area of injury and so on. It goes through phases, is that what out they call, is years. That, is that what they call reperfusion injury? Is that Correct. Reperfusion injury is the acute inflammatory reaction after the initial insult. And in particular, when blood flow has been interrupted. So let's say like a cardiac arrest. Blood flow is stopped, there's no blood flow, and you start up the heart again, blood flow now is flowing. What happens? The secondary reaction from that blood now coming through there after it has been stopped is more damaging than the stoppage of, of blood flow and oxygenation to begin with. Mm -hmm. So uh, what ends up happening is at, with acute concussion, the problem with hyperbaric oxygen is it is very difficult to do studies on acute concussion with hyperbaric oxygen. There's a lot of variability to it, and you need large numbers, and you need funding to do it. And ideally, if you could treat them early, which we have done many times, and others have done hundreds of cases some page, uh, in, in various places, uh, it, it's just a few treatments, and you can ameliorate and stop that inflammatory reaction in the wounding process. The farther you get out, though, it takes more treatment. So as I tell everybody, you know, what we have found, by the time you're in what's generally the chronic phase, which is about six months out or so, the improvement curve starts slowing down and flattening out. By that point, you're gonna need 40 treatments generally to try to get a degree of permanence to the effect. Well, then, you know, to your point, um, I know of five professional hockey players in the, in the Research Triangle Park area that were gonna be out for extended periods of time and with um, two or three treatments were back on the ice. Yes. And, and uh, my and son, my nephew, I mean, my kids. Were they hockey players? Relatives. No, no. But once two of them ski, three of them skiing, uh, skiing accidents, uh, 
you know, other family members, other patients that we treated with acute concussions, it's always the same story. It's a few treatments and, and they're back at it. Well, we see the, you know, with the PTSD and, the, and the, the veterans coming in, we even see veterans coming in from the Vietnam War that are getting 40 or 60 treatments. And I, I will tell you, when you talk to them and, 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 and you- Mike you, Myers. You, yeah, you hear from the, the clinicians, yeah. they're getting hugs. You changed my life. You brought me back to life. And, and it's been how many years? Thanks for giving me back my life. That's on our website. We didn't make that up. That came from so many of the patients. And I, he, he wants me to use his name. Mike Myers, Vietnam veteran. I, I went and gave a little talk when we were trying to announce and recruit veterans for our veterans TBI study based on that first veteran with PTSD who shocked us. At 25 treatments, he walked in. He goes, man, my PTSD is gone. He could go out in public in the French Quarter, 400,000 people on the street for the French Quarter Fest. It was amazing. It's like, whoa, I wasn't even looking to treat your PTSD. I was trying to treat the traumatic brain injury. But Mike Myers, he shows up in this little church. I'm giving this presentation, and he was angry. Why aren't you including the Vietnam vets? Uh, I said, well, we had to set a limit on time here. But I said, okay, look, I'll, I'll treat you. This should work for you. He had had... 40 years of migraine headaches. Mm -hmm. He hasn't had a migraine in five years now since we did this treatment on him. It's, uh, <laughs> so what, is it fair to say that from the standpoint of traumatic brain injury, um, PTSD, that hyperbaric oxygen treatments and the improvements that people get is rather textbook? It's a slam dunk. Mm. I sit and I, I give people my conservative estimate that it can help them, 99%. Yeah. Others will say 100%. I mean, look at uh, Bill Romanowski. Bill Romanowski, I, if, and now, you know, we're getting into the older generation, <laughs> might not remember him, but, you know, all pro linebacker, Denver Broncos, et cetera, played with his head. He talks about it. You know, innumerable concussions. And he was into every... Uh, training advantage. He was one of the first ones into nutrition and training sequences and all sorts of stuff. It ended up with some other things in there, but uh, he found hyperbaric oxygen. And in the middle of the 2000 or 2001 season, I get a call from his boutique doctor who had been taking care of him. Uh, and he said, would you talk to my uh, client? Uh, well, yeah, okay, you know, who is it? He says, well, it's Bill Romanowski. He's using hyperbaric oxygen. He's having some problems. And I get on the phone with him. He said, look, man, I am so exhausted. He goes, I can't finish the rest of the season. They were halfway through the season. And what he had done was oxygen toxify himself. He overtreated himself. Mm. And uh, I said, no, 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 you're using this wrong. I said, you need to use this after your injuries, after your workouts. So he turned this around and used it for his concussions. And it, I said, don't tell me it's away games where you have your biggest problem. He goes, how'd you know? I said, uh, plane flight back, right? He goes, yeah. He'd get in the air and 27% reduction in pressure and oxygen in the uh, uh, commercial airline cabin and headaches, nausea, vomiting, sick uh, from the acute concussion now in the setting of hypoxia and low pressure. Anyways, turned this around, he played for another, finished the year, played another year, and then got traded and uh, was in San Francisco or with Oakland and couldn't get hyperbaric oxygen anymore. He was treating himself, and that's when he had his you know, resignation on, on television. Mm. 
then years later, he came back, and I retreated him again. Uh, uh, real success for it. But and concussion, sports concussion, well, the guy who's had a billion. I think one of, one of the more high-profile ones, at least that I'm aware of, is, is uh, Joe Namath. Oh, yeah. I mean, his... Yes. I mean, he opened up a clinic somewhere. I don't know if it's still open, but I think he got into that. And, yeah, and there's a story there I, I can tell you. But yeah, Joe Namath. Uh, Tom Dempsey was a patient of mine, hmm. uh, you know, the kicker. Now I, now, I understand that there's hundreds of NFL players that have purchased the soft chambers and yes. put them in their homes. And, yes. And so they're using that before, after practice for, you know. Performance recovery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he, so. So one of the, you know, the conclusions, I think, for the traumatic brain injury PTSD yes. that, that I'm hearing from you here is that, that from the time of injury to the treatment is critical. So yes. the sooner the better. Yes. And then... And that's, a, that's a general principle in medicine. Yeah. The sooner you treat, so why would better it be the results. And it's, and, it, and it's the result of, and, and it's caused, or the reperfusion injury that results from that acute or that initial um, insult. Is, is, is what drives that initially, yeah. initially. The inflammatory reaction, yeah. I mean, you don't interrupt blood flow, so it's not technically reperfusion. It's the inflammatory reaction afterward, and that's what we are treating, as well as stimulating tissue repair. Because remember... Does the, the inflammatory reaction, does that restrict blood flow or start to...? Oh, sure it does. It does. What okay. it does is uh, it inflames the tissues, and through the inflammatory reaction, it dilates the blood vessels. They become leaky. That's how you get the swelling, sprained ankle, bruise, whatever. But that's now happening in the brain at all the sites of injury uh, where the white matter is injured. And uh, as that fluid leaks out, it compresses the smallest blood vessels. So now you have a secondary decrease in oxygen in the setting of damaged tissue and this inflammation and swelling. So it's, so it's a wound... A wound's a wound's a wound, right? A wound and is so a wound is a wound. The, the quicker you can get to the wound, the better. And so, exactly. So timing is the issue. And then, and then with chronic, you know, and then even the Vietnam War vets, we see, you know, we see tremendous benefit with them as well. But how do you, how do you um, account for that, the benefit after a long period of time? What's going on there? It's chronic wounding. It is chronic wounding. Every place, I'd, I'd have a, I have a picture that I show in all the lectures on TBI. It's a photomicrographed uh, from, I believe it's an animal model, but it shows the injury. So our brain, you know, the, the brain cells on the outside, the cortex, and brain cells in the deep center that now connect to the spinal cord. In between the outside and the deep center, it's all the connecting tracks, the cable system of the brain. That's the white matter. It's a very fatty, flimsy tissue. So when the brain is shaken, hit your head, whatever, fall, <clears throat> football contact, it's like a broccoli. It's shaken on its stem. And the torque forces cause those flimsy white matter tracks to be damaged. And many of them then can divide. What they form are wounds where they break down. Each one of those is a wound. No different than a stroke. No different than, uh, you know, a punch in the arm and a bruise. They're all wounds. And those wounds don't completely heal. There is a low-grade inflammation that's still present with them, even years out. And so what's happening is there's still an area of injury. And when exposed to oxygen and pressure, you now get gene stimulation, inhibition of inflammation, and stimulation of repair and growth of tissue. You start growing new axons. Mm. So there you go. So, so any amount of hyperbaric oxygen at any point in time can be helpful. Um, but sooner the better, okay? Yes. And then I think there, there may be one other factor here, and it's just 
from what I from what I've read and understand is that age can play a role in it. So the older you get, maybe the more you might need. Is is that true? Uh, well, kind of. But mm -hmm. see, you're also treating other things there. You're treating the aging process and the cumulative insults to that person that have occurred over their lifetime. So you know, uh, all of our organs have redundancy. You've got two lungs. Take one out. You're okay. You can live. <laughs> Go to Denver, Colorado. You see how much you need, need that extra lung. Brain has redundancy too. And so as we're going along, pesticides, food additives, as we talked about earlier, trauma, there's some uh, exhaust, carbon monoxide, whatever. All of these are chipping away at the brain reserve capacity. So by the time you're older and you've got reduced brain reserve capacity, now you have a concussion. You've got less to fall back on. Now that hyperbaric oxygen is treating not only those new wounds, but treating the aging process as well. Mm -hmm. So you're treating a little bit different, and yes, it can uh, require some more treatment, but uh, that hasn't been sorted out quite as well. Mm -hmm. so, so more research in that area, but it seems yes. to me that it's never too late. Oh, right? no. No matter what age you are. And I know oh, no. you talked a little bit in there about, you know, the treatment of your, of your mom in her later years. Oh, yeah. And the benefits that she got. You know, Dying to, of dementia. Yeah, and she lived years longer. Six and a half more years and didn't die from dementia. Yeah. And her quality of life was so much better. She got off her dementia drugs, antidepressants, pain medicine, her arthritis. She was crippled with arthritis, could barely walk. She was walking with a little, one of those little walking sticks for style, you know. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. So when it, comes to, to, <laughs> when it comes to the acute, the chronic, the long-term, the age, sooner yes. the better, but never too late, that's traumatic brain wow. injury. And thank you, Dr. Harch, for a conversation about traumatic brain injury. And we we'll look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank yes, you. more to come.